And he didn't even wait until the others uh, would join him. He didn't say to the other disciples, hey guys, let's all just get out and walk on the water to the Lord Jesus. The other way that he was cautious was that he said, Lord, if it be thou, bid me to come unto thee. Uh, He didn't presume, and he said to the Lord, would you be pleased that I might walk out to you? You'll find that in verse 28. Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it be thou, bid me come unto thee on the water. And then the Lord Jesus said, come. And so we had the Lord's permission. Welcome to Let the Bible Speak. This is Ian Golliher. We're on the air to bring you the message of God's Word again from our church, the Free Presbyterian Church in Cloverdale. We'll give you all the details of our church services, location, and our ministry here at the close of the service. Of course, if you go to the website, you can go to www.cloverdalefpc. That's F for free, P for Presbyterian, C for church, dot C-A. And there you'll get all the details, the information concerning our church ministry. We have a hymn at the close today on, Oh, the Deep, Deep Love of Jesus. And we're looking at Peter walking on the water. Oh, Peter, the impetuous one. And yet he did ask the Lord permission that he might go on the water. And the Lord encouraged him to come. And so we're going to take a look at that here today as we bring you the message of the Bible. Our first hymn will be Thanks to God for Salvation. Uh, But firstly, the book of Romans. Romans chapter 118, we're going to be looking at this whole matter of the wrath of God. Now, some people would think that in the preaching of the gospel that that would be sort of a, a springboard, lay that and then jump onto something else concerning the gospel. But if you study the book of Romans, you'll find that Paul comes back to this message 10 times, 10 different spots in this short epistle. The apostle hones in on the whole matter of God's wrath, and and, and he weaves it into the gospel message and into the the witness of the church as he speaks to God's people uh, living in the city of Rome at that time. So I want to read firstly, Romans 3, verse 5. But if our unrighteousness commend the righteousness of God, what shall we say? Is God unrighteous who taketh vengeance? I speak as a man. God forbid. For then how shall God judge the world? So once you say that God is unrighteous because he punishes sin, well, uh, you really take away the foundation of everything that God is going to do on that judgment day. Now, the word for vengeance here in uh, Romans 3, 5 is the word, uh, Greek word, orge. The statement has the idea of personal visitation. On that day, the judge himself will show up. The question is, is God unrighteous who taketh vengeance? And that's well answered for us in verse 6, where Paul says, God forbid. Paul understood that the world would be judged by God and declared that the righteous judge would not be acting out of character to visit on righteousness personally in vengeance or wrath. 
And then let's go to chapter 4, verse 15. Because the law worketh wrath. For where no law is, there is no transgression. And of course, God has given us his moral law to be that straight rule to guide us in what's right and what is wrong. And those who break the law of God come under God's wrath. And this verse teaches the inability of the law to save a guilty soul. The application of the law to the guilty soul only incurs or piles on wrath. Now in chapter 5, verse 9, and we're staying with this theme of God's wrath, much more than be now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. And you can see here the juxtaposition of the gospel, of God's love for sinners with his wrath upon all unrighteousness. The gospel is all about saving sinners from wrath through the blood atonement offered by Christ. This is not inconsistent with God's love for sinners, as the gospel is God's answer to save sinners from wrath. The gospel message should declare both God's love for sinners through a provided righteousness, and it should preach God's wrath on all those who are without righteousness. Both facts are integral to the message of the gospel. They might be considered as two sides of one coin. In reality, no one can comprehend the power and worth of Christ's blood atonement apart from the fact of God's wrath that will be poured out upon all ungodliness. Now, I wonder where you stand today. Without a Savior, without salvation, without cleansing in the blood of Jesus, you are still a sinner, having broken God's law. You need a righteousness. You need to be made right with God through the gospel. And that's what the Lord Jesus does when you call upon him as your Lord and your Savior. May the Lord speak to your heart today through our messages in song and our main message on Peter walking on the water. Right, we're coming to this passage, Matthew chapter 14, and verse 22, right down to 33, and uh, really the whole event is our text this evening. The whole event of uh, the disciples out on the boat, out on the sea, and uh, the wind goes up, the wind becomes very boisterous, 
and the waves are uh, choppy. And when you read Mark's account, um, you find that they were toiling in ruin. That's how Mark puts it. Toiling in ruin, uh, which would certainly mean that they were laboring hard at the oars, but making absolutely no progress. Sometimes we feel like that in church work as well. Uh, we seem to be laboring hard at the oars and seeking ways and means of pushing the work of the church forward. But the wind is contrary. And how do we advance? Well, of course, there is a great answer in this account when the Lord comes and he uh, answers every need, stills the storm, and so on. But what I find really remarkable about this account is that only Matthew brings up the issue of, of Peter walking on the water. When you read Mark's account and John's account, they don't even mention Peter walking on the water. And I don't know why, but it is quite something when you think of what Peter did when he stepped out of the boat, attempting to do what Jesus did. And you know, that's what a Christian is. We are to walk in the footsteps of the Lord Jesus. We are to attempt to do those things that he did. And uh, that's the life of faith. And uh, some people are very hard on Peter. And they would say, well, you know, there he goes again, the impetuous Peter. He just wants to do his own thing. And he jumps out of the boat and goes to the Lord on the water. Well, I think if we take a close look at this, we will see that Peter uh, was cautious. He was cautious. And we will take a look at that here this evening. But firstly, let's just bow in prayer, ask for the Lord to meet with us and bless us from his word. Our Father, uh, we are thankful tonight for gathering us here to meet with thee in prayer and in the preaching of your word. And we just marvel at these wonderful accounts in the scriptures of the miracles of our Lord Jesus and the great things that you were enabled your disciples to do. And we think of Peter walking on the water. What a marvel. Lord, you have called us to do the impossible. You have called us to defy the odds and to labor at the work of building your church. And Lord, we confess that we are very much like these disciples in the boat, rowing and rowing, making no progress. And Lord, we need thee to come. We need thee to come to us and still the storm and bring the vessel to the shore. And we pray that it will please thee to teach us from your word tonight and to work in power in our own hearts and in the life of our church. We pray that we may not be slothful, but that we may be busy, that we may be active doing the will of the Lord with all our hearts, and that glory and honor will be to thy great and wonderful name. So meet with us now around your word and bless us for Jesus' sake. Amen. Amen. Now, as I mentioned, Peter stands for some criticism uh, for his typical petulance. He's the only one that tried to uh, step out of the boat and walk to the Lord. But I think that's a good thing. I think that that's something that's commendable. And he didn't even wait until the others uh, would join him. He didn't say to the other disciples, hey guys, let's all just get out and walk on the water to the Lord Jesus. 
The other way that he was cautious was that he said, Lord, if it be thou, bid me to come unto thee. Uh, he didn't presume, and he said to the Lord, would you be pleased that I might walk out to you? You'll find that in verse 28. Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it be thou, bid me come unto thee on the water. And then the Lord Jesus said, come. And so we had the Lord's permission. Uh, he was not acting in a rebellious way. He was not acting in some presumptuous way, but he was seeking the Lord's instruction and the Lord's guidance. And I think there's a great lesson for us all in the Lord's work, that if we are to do something that, especially if it's a little out of the normal, the usual, uh, that we would have the Lord's word on it, that we would have his consent and invitation as to Peter here, come. Now, you'll notice that he said, bid me come. He didn't speak for the others. He didn't insist that they would do this very daring deed as he was seeking to do. Uh, he let them answer for themselves. And sometimes we have to do that too as Christians. We cannot uh, assume that what God is leading us to do, that he's going to lead the whole group to do. And there are sometimes there are paths and walks and decisions uh, that we must take that are very particular and personal just to us. Not everybody's called uh, to a particular work. But uh, here is Peter saying, Lord, bid me come unto thee in the water. So the Lord gave him permission. And of course, when he began to sink, the Lord helped him. And so the Lord didn't turn his back on him and leave Peter to his own devices. Uh, the Lord certainly stepped up and helped Peter when he was beginning to sink. And then the Lord had a little talk with him. Wherefore didst thou doubt, O ye of little faith? And this incident of Peter walking on water is really a vital story about faith. Christianity is a supernatural work. And as soon as faith diminishes, so does everything else. Just like Peter walking on the water. And the moment that he took his eyes of the Lord and he looked at the circumstances, the wind and the waves, then he began to sink. And you and I are called to walk by faith, to ever always keep our eyes on the Lord. And the moment we take our eyes off the Lord, we, we sink or stumble. We grow faint. Lack of faith will mean powerlessness. You'll notice here, O thou of little faith, the Lord Jesus said to him. Now, I think Peter had great faith. I think that the very idea of him getting out of the boat, now this is way before the storm was calmed. It wasn't until later that the Lord got into the boat and he calmed the storm. This is while the storm was raging. Peter said, Lord, bid me to come unto thee and walk in the water. I think that was great faith. But his faith stammered. It faltered along the way. And his eye on the circumstances began to greatly trouble him. Wherever God works, 
He works in measure to the faith of his people. What a great challenge that is to us tonight. We are moral beings. We are created in God's image. We are responsible for our actions. And indeed, we are responsible for exercising faith. What we do with God's word, what we do with his promises, what we do with the gospel, all of this is very important. We read of Abraham that he went out by faith. He is in the hall of Hebrews 11, uh, that hall of faith, uh, because he staggered not at the promises of God. And that tells us that there is a danger uh, that we sort of lose some of that boldness of faith. The Lord Jesus also said on another occasion, according to your faith, be it unto you. One of the key characteristics of men who serve God, and if you look in Acts chapter 6 for deacons, they were to be men full of faith and of the Holy Ghost. And so we will not serve the Lord very well if our faith is little. And we know uh, that uh, Philip's or Stephen's testimony was mighty through persecution. Stephen, you read of him in Acts 6, one of those deacons, and how he uh, was appointed, but he was also persecuted. But what strong faith he had right on to the end. So tonight, I want us to look at what is this power of faith? What is this power in the grace of faith? Now, I've got seven points. You may say, where did you get all those? Well, I'm going to give you full disclosure tonight. I preached this sermon four years ago, January 2010, right here in this pulpit. And the last couple of days, I did not have the mental will or power to come up with a sermon from scratch. And I felt it better to go to something that I have already done the work on and that I could glean from. And I have to say that as I looked over these notes, I became greatly convicted that my own faith is very small, that it's easy to set out and then to stumble. But these seven points we have here tonight, I want to go through them, and I won't belabor them. Firstly, it is this faith is to seek all our strength in the Lord. Where faith is strong, we are reliant on the Lord's power. Now think of Peter walking on the water. It was certainly true of him. And when his eyes were on the Lord and he was depending on the Lord, uh, then he was able to walk the walk. But unbelief causes us to stumble and change. When Peter saw the water boisterous, you can see his body sinking down. And what panic must have hit him. What a serious situation he was in when he was losing his faith. He had begun something that he couldn't finish. And you know, that's the scariest thing in God's service, to start something that you're not able to finish. 
And that's why we need to keep our eyes on the Lord. And by getting our eyes on the Lord, we see things differently. Caleb and Joshua, when they went into the promised land, they looked through the eyes of God and they saw grasshoppers. The other Israelites, they looked through their own eyes and they saw giants. It makes all the difference. And so we see the need. Now, this obviously is the secret of Christian living. Otherwise, you and I will be no different from the unconverted and the ungodly. Uh, they're depending on their own strength. Uh, they're depending on their own capacities, their decision and mental powers, and following various human advice and so on. But a Christian is not walking by sight, but by faith. And it ought to make all the difference. Now, here's a question. How do you define in real everyday terms what it means to be looking unto Jesus? How do we look unto Jesus in our everyday walk? Tomorrow is Monday. You face the world. You go back to work. You go through all the challenges of living the Christian life. How do you do it? How do you keep your eyes on the Lord? Well, there's a number of things that we need to believe in. We need to believe in his deity. We serve one who is God. We believe in the attributes of Godhead. He is omnipresent. He's always with us. And what a difference that makes. When you go to work tomorrow, God is as much with you in the workplace as he is in the church sanctuary. His presence goes with you. You believe in his power. And while we look for God's power in the work of his church, you look for God's power in your everyday life, in all those practical aspects of life. You believe in his grace and tender mercies when you fail. And just like when Peter uh, was sinking and he cried out, Lord, help, the Lord stretched out his hand and pulled Peter up from sinking. How many times do we need the Lord to pull us up and to deliver us from our sinking situation? And, of course, the Lord promises to go before you in every situation of life. And the Lord is promised that he will be alongside us. Now, let's move to the second one. Faith gives the glory to God— for things accomplished. That's the next uh, uh, definition or grace of this kind of faith. It gives the glory to God for things accomplished. And you might ask, why did the Lord Jesus allow Peter to sink? Why in this situation did Peter have to experience that sinking? Not just a sinking feeling, but a sinking down into the depths of the water, feeling its dangers and all its demands? Well, the answer is that the Lord will receive all the glory. Peter was not going to be allowed to think that his walking on the water was going to be due to his skill or to his own ability. He might have boasted he might have returned to the ship, and he would have said to the other disciples, Hey, fellas, did you see that? I could walk on the water just the way the Lord Jesus did. But these disciples now were saying, Hey, Peter, we saw you singing. 
we saw you floundering down into those waves, and we were thought you were going to be lost. And then we saw the Lord pull you up. And that's the testimony that the Lord would have every one of us bear before the world. Faith is the means by which God can use his servants, by which God gets the glory. And that's always God's way. This is Pastor Ian Golliher. Call me, please, at 604-897-2040. For all the details of our broadcasts across Canada, go to ltbs.ca. This broadcast comes to you today from the Free Presbyterian Church in Cloverdale, located at 18790 58th Avenue, Surrey. 
at the corner of 188th Street and 58th Avenue. Our website is cloverdealfpc.ca and there you can find gospel articles, links to our sermons, a gospel booklet called A New Beginning and a link to watch our services online. You're warmly invited to attend any of our Sunday services at 10.30 a.m. and 6 p.m. to meet with us as we worship God and to hear the preaching of His precious Word. We also meet for Bible study and prayer every Wednesday evening at 7.30 p.m. Our Sunday School for Children and Adult Bible Class meet every Lord's Day at 9.30 a.m. from September to June. You can contact us at 604-567-1091. Alternatively, you can email me at pastor.cloverdealfpc at gmail.com. Again, for all this information, please visit our website at cloverdealfpc.ca. Our burden is that you will hear and understand the gospel that will bring you to know the Lord Jesus Christ and his great salvation. This is Pastor Andrew Fitton. Thank you for listening today. And be sure to listen Monday to Friday at 5 a.m. and 5 p.m. and on Sundays at 9.30 a.m. for our one-hour church service as we worship the Lord through the ministry of His Word.